0: 1 to 10, and uh, the last section we dealt with godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom, and to some extent, this section here is kind of a continuation um, with that idea, and it goes into the issue of um, quarreling and fights and the passions that rage in all of our hearts, and so we're going to look at that, but I'm going to have King... Come up and, and read the scriptures. Yeah.
1: What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people... Do you not know that friendship with the world is in, in, in enmity with God? That was a hard word to say. <laughs> Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us, but He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right.
0: Um, yes, tonight uh, we're dealing with this idea of the raging passions that come into our lives the conflicts we have with one another um, this issue of fighting and quarreling and this is a very practical section just like all the rest of James I mean it doesn't get any more practical than this Uh, think about your roommates think about your parents maybe you're maybe you're you know you're in college and you're kind of becoming independent um, but there's still probably you know you're still kind of under the roof as well um, sometimes that can create conflict that can create problems um, just your roommate struggles uh, we got rid of a big struggle last night um, I got rid of the kitchen sink uh, there's no more worries about who's gonna do dishes because there isn't any di- there isn't any place to do the dishes. It's all paper in our house right now. Um, but I don't know about you, but, but conflicts with people, um, fighting, quarreling, these things go deep in all of our hearts. Uh, struggles with friends. Struggles with boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, struggles uh, with conflict. How do we deal with those things? And this is a practical section because it deals with that and ultimately deals with our heart ultimately deals with what's going on in our hearts. And so one of the things before we get into this passage is the scripture. The scriptures continually call us to self-reflection to analyze what's going on with our behavior, what's going on in our heart to do those behaviors. And you know, all through the scriptures we see great questions. In fact, one of the very first conversations that God had with Adam and Eve after they fell, after they took and ate of the fruit, they hid. And God pursued them and he said, "Where are you?" That was more than "Are you just hiding under, you know, the trees? Where where are you guys?" That was, "Where are you with me?" Where are you? We had this great relationship, and now you're hiding from me. What's going on in your life? God is the one who asks questions. God is the one who wants us to think about our life and to analyze what's going on underneath the surface. And so when you become a Christian, if you're not a Christian and you become a Christian, um, that involves looking at your life from God's perspective and from God's truth, and from the Scriptures that He gives us. It involves asking big questions. (laughs) Who are you? Where are you going? Why do you want to do that? What are your motives? What's going on in your heart? Um, And so, the Scriptures call us to that. James, particularly, has all kinds of questions. If you would just look through this book, he's always asking questions. Um, He's a biblical counselor, so to speak. Jesus was the ultimate biblical counselor. He was always asking questions. Always wanting people to think about their life. To think about what's going on. And so, as you read through James, just going back to chapter 2, on the sin of partiality or favoritism, he asks, Have you you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That was one of his questions. On faith and works, he says in chapter 2, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What good is that? On chapter 3, last week, on living a wise or a foolish life, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good conduct. You could do a study just on the questions. But there's something about that. God is asking us questions. He's asking us, where are you? What have you done with me? What's going on with your heart? What's going on with your behavior? What's going on? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you spend time doing certain things and time not doing certain things? Uh, Why did you say that to that person? Why didn't you say that to that person? There's an endless list of questions we could ask. So welcome to the counseling couch. Okay? And James, put your feet up. You know, It's like that commercial, the Geico commercial with the guy, um, the sergeant calling you a jackrabbit. Um, uh, this is James. He's asking you hard questions. And so there's something about this that totally goes against our nature. And that's this idea that in our minds, and especially I think in the American mind, it's the idea of independence. And I would, I would say especially for guys in here, for men, um, it's very hard for us to think... that. I mean, typically men think counseling is for weak people. You know? Counseling is for weak people. I mean, if you got to go to a shrink or a counselor or a biblical counselor or a Christian counselor, if you have to ask anybody help, that means you're weak. I want to say to you that if you don't ask, you're weak. That God really wants us to be dependent people on him he wants us to he, he wants us to see ourselves as weak th- that he is strong but if we don't need anybody's help um we're really we're really going to be running down a dangerous road and so <laughs> get out of your mind this idea that like christian men are kind of like Marl the Marlborough man out there on the range you know like sam elliot with a good mustache and you know the leather tan face and He's out there mending fences and smoking Marlboro, okay? And he doesn't talk to anybody. You know, he spits a lot. He's wrestling cattle, punching doggies, that kind of thing. Uh, this is the mentality. This is America. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, you know, kind of drift into town, you know, shoot everybody um, and get, get out of there. You know, I mean, this is, this is Amer- the American male is kind of this supposed to be independent, supposed to be proud supposed to have it all together. James and the rest of the Scriptures are saying you need to think about your life. I'm going to ask you tough questions about your life. Um, Because if you go on your life thinking you can just be independent and you really don't need much help, you don't really need fellowship, you don't really need small groups. This is a commercial for small groups. You don't really need the church you don't really need to worship god you're you're running down that independent line that one day after you get a job you get married and everything next thing you know you're having an affair and you're blowing up your family because you never analyze your heart you never saw that you know what my heart is filthy and it's sick it's diseased and it's black and i need other people in my life to tell me that because I can't see it. I need other people that are close to me that can say, you blew it there. I love you, but I'm telling you, you blew it there. This is what fellowship is all about. This is what communion with God is all about. This is what Christianity is all about. So if you're here tonight and you're, you're examining Christianity, this is kind of what it's like. It's, true Christianity is also community of God's people. We're helping one another grow. We're admitting, guess what? I'm a big, nasty sinner and I need Jesus. And, but these people are also sinners and you're going to be in this together. And God is a God of grace and He loves you and He's going to help you. But part of what it means to be a Christian as we look at James is, is stop putting on a facade. Be real and honest. Allow these questions to penetrate you. To think about your life. You know, becoming a Christian is not a call to independence. It's a call to dependence on God. It's a call to to dependence upon other people. It's a call to say, I am weak, wounded, sick, and sore, like we talked about in that song, come ye sinners. And so, this is what God calls us to. But when you have that, that is real. When you have people in your life that you love, and they love you, and you can share anything with, and and they still and they still love you, that is like incredible. That's what the world wants. That's what people want. They want that community. They want that connection. But it, it's in our day and age, it's all facade. It's all like just be this image and be independent. God is calling us into community, and so really tonight, um, James gets into that with this idea of quarreling. He wants us to look inside. And so, really the point (laughs) of this whole passage is, is, do you want true peace and joy in your life with God and one another? Do you want that? Well, it's going to take looking inside your heart. And so the first thing really is, you must get at the roots. You must get at the roots. If you want to grow in Christ, you must expose your motives. And secondly... We must run to Christ. So two points. The, the first one kind of long though. Okay, so the first thing is this. James wants us to get at the roots. Get at the motives. Get underneath. To be a counselor. And so he says a question. He asks verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Okay, church. What causes the fights? What causes the quarrels among you? What's going on? What Look underneath. And he says, is it not... Is is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Passions in here. This idea of uh, the passions in your heart. Another word for it is pleasure. It's also the Greek word for hedonism or hedone, okay? So it's where we get this idea of hedonism, just out and out pleasure, just seeking, you know, wine, women and song or whatever, just college life in America to some extent. Just going for whatever it is. Spring breaks coming up. Okay? And so he's saying that deep in our hearts what's raging is this idea of our passions, our pleasures. We want our hearts filled and we want uh, we want fun, and we want it without God. We want it without responsibility. We want the creation to fill us and to make us happy. And so, um, Doug Moo, this commentator, he says it all. This this concept in the scriptures always conti- uh, it's always carries a negative connotation. It's always about sinful, self indulgent pleasure. Okay, that's what's going on in our hearts. In case you didn't know it. That our, that our sin nature is basically like a big vacuum. It's a, it's a big vacuum cleaner. And we're just saying, I need to be filled. And so, instead of being filled with God, instead of being filled with Jesus, Romans 1 is saying we suppress God out of the way who is our Creator and Sustainer and we look to the creation. Good things. You know, we look to people, relationships. If I could just have that person, that girl. If I could just be in that relationship, I know I would be happy. Or if I could have that guy, if you're a girl, if I could have that job, if I could have that career, if I could have, um, you know, that major, um, if I could get those grades, that's going to make me happy. And so these things uh, we desire and we think they're going to fill us and we want them so much that they become idols in our life. And so he says, what's the result? (laughs) I mean, he kind of gets... Really drastic here it seems to me. He says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You murder? I didn't murder anybody. Um But he's basically saying, you know, maybe they were having that struggle in here, but we know that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount if you hate your brother, it's just like you murdered him. So something about our needs and our heart is so dark. That it will, if left unchecked, if left without the grace of God, it'll do just terrible things. It'll murder. I mean, did you ever think... You, know, you guys probably heard about this story. Was it last year? The lacrosse player at the University of Virginia, yearly love. Okay, Pretty girl dating this a guy, lacrosse player, Okay, on the team, and they were in a relationship, UVA. You know, this is a big-time school, big-time lacrosse program. Kids come from a lot of money. And they had a relationship, and then something went wrong. He was probably drinking, and he beat her head in to death. You think that's how that relationship was going to start? No, they. I'm sure they had attraction. They loved each other. Things were going well, probably for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> You know, whatever. I don't know if there was a love triangle involved or whatever, but things happened and people made decisions and somebody was murdered. I don't know where that case is right now, but it happens. I mean, it happens every day. Put, pick up the newspaper, turn on CNN. I mean, people who they, you think they love each other, they get married. husband and wives kill each other. Why? How? Only because, like, our hearts. Our hearts aren't right. Uh, you know, we've been watching sometimes The Godfather. It'll be on. And, uh, you know, Michael Corleone. You know. At the end of all those movies, it's all about murder. It's all about power and staying in control. And there's, like, a fury. Who's, who's a Godfather fan? Anybody? Anybody out there Yeah. I mean, there's always a fury of murders at the end of those movies because he's got to stay in control. You know, and that's really what our hearts want to do. They ultimately want to stay in control. And so he's saying, this is drastic, but this is what happens. Um, murder and hatred, somehow they go together. Uh, he also says this, there's unfulfilled desires. He talks about coveting. Coveting is that idea that I just want that, I have to have that, or else I won't be happy. And so, it's in the Ten Commandments. It's number 10. Thou shalt not covet. Wanting something that's not yours. Taking it as as if it is yours. And so, when you don't get what you want, it leads to fights and quarrels. James says this, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. The coveting heart. The heart full of idolatry. It's saying, God, you're not my source. You're not my fountain of life. You're not my chief desire and love and blessing, i got to have something else. That's really what's going to make me happy. And when we don't get it, that's when we quarrel. That's when we fight. So what do you do with unfulfilled desires? Because guess what? We live in a broken world. Basically, all of us in here, we have these desires that are unfulfilled. Ever since the fall, okay, if you go back... To Genesis. Before the fall into sin, Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God. They're happy, they're filled, there's joy, there's no issues of brokenness at all. Then, when sin comes in, then we have brokenness, okay? Spiritual brokenness. There's spiritual longings that are not being met. We hate God now, we run from Him, we're afraid of Him. Socially, we have unmet needs we we don't connect well anymore we're uh, afraid our relationships are broken Um, we we think that relationships will ultimately save us but that people will ultimately be what we really need if we can just get them then we'll we'll have ultimate happiness and so we put undue pressure on relationships of with people that only God can give you know this is why I relate like I, I heard a Tim Keller message and he was saying that people that uh, child abuse is basically called by over love of a child not not by lack of love but by over love because you're trying to control that person and get them to do what you want etc cetera, etc cetera. and when they don't they get they get mad and they physically abuse but it's an over emphasis it's an over love there's brokenness in relationships there's unfulfilled desire the environment is broken we struggle with pollution we struggle with lead paint secondhand smoke faulty engineering disasters the creation in every part is frustrated and so we're in this world of need we're in this world where we're going to have unfulfilled longings we're not going to be when we when we step out and say not god something else The question is, what do we do in that place? And that's where we have to go back to the Gospel. That's where we have to go back and say, only Jesus can fill me. My heart is seeking something and only Christ and what He has done can really help me. The spiritual is broken. Everything is broken. He even says our prayers are off. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive. Because you asked wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so spiritually he's saying we're messed up. Our prayers are off. <laughs> What's the problem? Ultimately the problem is our heart is off. Um, Jeremiah says it like this the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah two thirteen Says, This is what our hearts do. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and he- hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can not hold water. Basically, what he's saying is this very idea. Instead of seeking God for our life, instead of spe- seeking Christ, we seek the idols of our culture. We seek other things to fill and to make us happy, people, relationships, jobs, power, prestige. They don't fill us. And so we either get angry, we either demand, we either get jealous, we rage inside, or we run to Jesus and we say, Jesus, fill me. But the, but the issue is our heart is off. Our heart is broken. Our heart is dark. I just heard some of you guys listening to ESPN may have heard about this basketball player, Wes Leonard from Michigan near Detroit. He was uh, 16 years old. His team was 20-0. and 0. He hits the winning basket uh, in overtime to send his team into the playoffs. He's a hero. People are going crazy. Teammates lift him up on their shoulders. 30 seconds later, he dies on the basketball court He had an enlarged heart. He had a deficiency in his heart. Horrible. They they were talking to the students on the team. The autopsy found that he had a deficient heart. Spiritually, that's us. (laughs) Everything can seem to be going great. We're hitting the last shot, we're winning the game. In the next moment, we can be sitting in front of the computer looking at pornography. Or we can be gossiping about a roommate or tearing him down behind their back. Our hearts are off. And there's only one person that can fill it. Augustine said that the heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. John Stott, theologian, said, There's a vacuum in the heart of man which only God can satisfy. The only answer is we run to Jesus <laughs> we cry out to him. We say, Help me, fill me and that's why Jesus is always talking about thirst and hunger in the in the Gospels. He's saying that, Hey, I'm the living water, come to me, drink. He's saying, I'm the bread of life, come to me and eat. And so how do we do that? We do that lots of different ways. We do it here. We do it by looking at His Word. We do it by um, praying for one another. We do that by going to worship and hearing the Word preached and being with the fellowship of people. We get filled. We get, we, we get set right. Our hearts get set right again. We go out from there. We struggle with sin. We struggle with temptation. We struggle with these longings, but repentance is all about coming back to the center and saying, no, I need Jesus. It's like, I need to go to RUF. I need to go to small group. I need to go to church because I need, cause I see how dark my heart is. I need accountability. I need help. And so this is the solution for his heart. The solution for a bad heart is his grace. Is his grace. The grace of God in Jesus Christ. So we have a bad heart. That's point one. <laughs> But we have a gracious God. That's point two. And so, one of the things you see here is that God doesn't let His children go. That He pursues us in the midst of our heart gone astray, in the midst of our spiritual adultery. In fact, that's the conclusion that you have to come to your heart. If you look down here uh, in verse 4, He says, You adulterous people, (laughs) do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so, what he's saying is, this is the conclusion you have to draw. That you're a spiritual adulterer. Okay, that you've worshipped other gods. It's a phrase that in the Old Testament that he used because God was seen as the husband of Israel. And what's happened? They've left him, but he kept pursuing him. He kept sending the prophets. And ultimately, he sends Jesus. And so, here, here we have verse 5 And here. It says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says He yearns, God yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us? And then it says this, But He gives more grace. But He gives more grace. Let's just sit there and think about that. Paul said that where sin, in, sin increased grace increased all the more. That God loves you and me so much that He's not going to let us, His children, sit in our sin, sit in our idolatry, sit in our spiritual adultery. He's going to come after us. And He is going to uh, bring us to repentance. He's going to show us His grace because He loves us. He gives more grace. Where sin increased, Grace increased all the more. So don't ever think that, man, I've done this and God is never going to love me anymore. God loves repentant sinners. He loves when you see that you're miserable. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's, he, he will come. He will give you His grace. He's the great pursuer. If you ever looked into the Bible, all you have to see is that He comes after His people. I mean, He created us. When Adam and Eve sinned, He came after them. You know, the cycle of the Old Testament is, Israel, they're doing well, they're doing great. Blessings of God. They forget God. They run into sin. They worship the other idols of the nations. They get really desperate. They go into sin. They get in bondage in Egypt. And God sends His prophets. It's the cycle of the Old Testament. And I dare say, it's the cycle of our lives because God loves us that much, He's going to keep going. He's going to keep driving out and sanctifying you and showing you your sin and showing you Christ and who He is. And so He gives us the grace of repentance, 6 to 10. And this is really this last part here. Um, and so as you look through here, this is just a great passage to think about repentance. What's repentance involved? It involves Simply turning away from our sin and turning to God, acknowledging Him, confession of our sin, being honest about it with Him, and believing in Jesus and what He's done for you. I mean, it's as simple as that. So, it's submitting yourself to God. Verse 7, it says, submit yourself to God. What's that mean? It means acknowledging His authority, coming under Him stopping and saying, guess what? I'm blowing it here. I need God, I need you. You're the my Lord and Creator. You're my Savior. And so running, acknowledging Him. It says verse 8, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So it's submitting, it's thinking about Him authoritatively in your life, acknowledging His presence. The unbeliever basically just says, No, forget it. I don't want God at all. I'm just going to go and, and do my thing. Christians can do that. But the lord always brings them back just like david remember with bathsheba and the adultery and the murder and the cover up you know and for several months probably 9 months or more he's running that way and then nathan the prophet comes and says the little parable and says you're the man and david is struck to the heart and then we have psalm 51 which we talked about tonight which we read together that's his c- confession after adultery and murder. And he's one of the heroes of the Bible that we talk about. Did you ever think about this? Probably the three biggest names of the Bible. Moses, David, and the Apostle Paul. Were all involved in murder. <laughs> and the Lord saved them. And they've written most of our Bible. That we look at. And they were involved in murder. That's how big God's grace is. Humil- it involves Humility. Being broken, being humbled before Him. Verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. This is the godly sorrow that David talks about in Psalm 51. A broken and a contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. A broken and a contrite heart, you will not despise. So when you're feeling broken, when you're feeling humbled, God is, God is close to you. God is close to you. Feel the weight of your sin. He says this, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Have you ever wept over your sin? Have you ever just felt that horrible about it? That's what godly sorrow is all about. It's saying, Man, I am just... I'm done. I'm miserable. R.C. Sproul, a theologian, he says that sin is actually cosmic treason. Against God. You ever thought about it like that? The creator of the world who gives you the air to breathe. created you, puts you here. It's like you're turning your fist against Him. It's cosmic treason when you go against His laws. We have such a small view of our sin. And such a small view of His holiness. He wants us to have a big view of His holiness. A big view of our sin. But guess what? A bigger view of Jesus and the cross. There was a guy by the name of Robert Murray McShane. He says, for every one look at your sin, you should take ten looks at the cross. That's the grace in this passage. It's only in Jesus that we can have the cleansing He talks about here. Because what Jesus did was He pursued us to the point of the cross and He shed His own blood for us to cleanse us from our sin and to give us a new heart. And so, if you feel hard tonight, if you just feel like, man, I don't know where I am with God, this is the answer. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Humble yourself. Just say, I'm not going to be the independent Marlboro man out there and just do and think I've got life figured out. God's grace to you is probably bringing you to a point of brokenness. That's God's grace to you. God's grace to you is when your sin is found out. That's good. That's good news. Because then, when you know that, then you can run to the cross for His grace and His love. And He always gives it to broken sinners. Always. And He's going to help you in this. And repentance isn't just a one-time thing. That's the thing. Martin Luther said, repentance is is the whole of the Christian life. We'll never get over it until Jesus comes or we go to heaven. This is the walk. Seeing your sin, seeing Jesus in His grace. Seeing your sin, seeing Jesus in His grace. Let me pray. Father, thanks for tonight. Thank You that You love the brokenhearted. That You are there to heal our hearts that are black. Father, help, help us to really have Your view of our sin, but also to have your view of the grace of Jesus. Lord, help us to fight against temptation. Help us to run to you. Help us to be filled with you. Show us, analyze us, expose us. Show us our sin. Show us Jesus. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.